Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church. Life, faith, together. Our Bible reading this morning is from John chapter 14, and John is kindly going to come forward and read for us. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So I don't know if, what, if anyone could see what's in my hand. This is a Bible, yes, but specifically it's a King James Version. Actually, let me just check that my clicker's working. Yeah, look at that. So this is a King James Version, not what we usually preach from. In fact, this is not even what we normally hear in churches. But in fact, this passage from John's Gospel that we have just heard was from the NIV, the New International Version, which translation is the one that most commonly used today. And there's good reason for that. Just like it's quite a lot of hard work, I'm a teacher, quite a lot of my students uh, to, of GCSE and of A-level to get their head around Shakespeare's English, this, King James Version's language, is quite a lot to get your head around. But there is one thing where this 400-year-old version has a slightly better example of this passage. For those of you who did French at school, you'll remember there's different words for you, tu and vous. Or in Welsh, I'm told by Andrew, I checked because I don't speak Welsh myself, you have T and chi. I apologize if I'm saying those wrong. Am I saying them horribly wrong or when? Thi. He. <laughs> Apologies, guys. You've got the second-rate one here. <laughs> um, which are informal and formal. And these different versions can show you how polite you are being. They can also show how well you know the person and who has got the highest status. It is only the King James Version that goes back to an even earlier tradition It uses thou for one person, and it uses you for a group of people, the plural. Now, at this moment, you are probably thinking, hang on a second, I know that Vicky was last minute because Michael was unwell, and that they have just, she has totally forgotten that she is no longer in an English GCSE lesson, and she is giving us a lesson as if she was still at Hereford Sixth Form College on Friday. I promise it's useful. In our individualistic society today, it's very easy for us to read or hear the word you and in our heads think me. That is what we mostly read the Bible thinking. It says you, it means me. But actually, in this passage, you means you all. In fact, there are only three times in the whole of verses 1 to 14 where Jesus means you, one person. And that is when he's saying to Philip, do you know me? How can you say, 
don't you believe that I'm in the Father? Every single other time, and he says it 13 times, he means you as in you all, as a group. There are so many cultures that would understand this better than us. My friend Adele taught in Japan when she was younger. And in Japanese culture, for 15 minutes each day, children clean the school. Now, this isn't, they get out their brooms, their mops, their buckets, they take off their shoes and they clean the school. Apparently, this isn't an unpleasant job. This is seen as a joy, as a privilege to serve their community. They were serving their community, which was the highest respect you can pay to one another. They don't see themselves as important. It's what the community needs is important. The New York Times in December 2022 reported that after watching their match in Qatar, the Japanese spectators didn't wallow in disappointment after their team lost. They tidied and cleaned the stands. Another example is Michael had a friend called Marvin. They were both studying at the London School of Theology together, both from South Africa. And Marvin supported his family while living in London while they were back in South Africa. It is quite normal for most African families to be expected to be supported by their children, not individualistic. Children earn money for the collective family. Not you, but you all. So as we read this and we think about what Jesus is saying, and when we read or listen to anything in the Bible, we need to be aware that quite often it's not about me. It's about us. This is important. Jesus' disciples were frightened about him going away. They were frightened about what would happen where he was going, how they were going to cope. And they were tempted to get isolated and individual. And he's reminding them to be a part of the community. And when we are frightened, when we are worried, when we are not sure how we'll cope, remember our collective identity, you meaning you all, together come back again. This is why we prioritize church, because we get that feeling. This is why we prioritize our small groups and meeting together, because this feeling, this you all, this community is not for ourselves, it's for all of us, not me, us. And this is really significant for the whole passage. We need to see ourselves as part of this community. Community coming together to support one another, love one another, help each other through the whole hard times. But why? Why should we do this? Why should we come back to this identity collectively? Now, the King James Version famously says, in my father's house, there are many mansions. This actually makes no sense at all. And this is one of the times when you're thinking, what on earth is Jesus talking about? When we think of the word mansion, we think of a stately home, don't we? Probably even bigger than Abergavenny Castle. But this really isn't it. Actually, this is where the more modern translation is more useful. The NIV says, my father's house has many 
rooms. That's far closer, but there's a depth of meaning we could look at. It's more like dwelling or stay, dwell, to dwell. Now, I don't know if you have ever met my husband, who is South African, if you are new. And in South Africa, they don't say, where do you live? They say, where do you stay? Where do you dwell? And this is Jesus probably speaking in Aramaic. And he's harking back to an Old Testament word, Bet-Ab. This is more like, do you notice the second half of the word? Is Ba-Abba, Bet-Ab, Abba. And the second part is Bet-House. We sang it earlier, my father's house. Now this has so many rich meanings. Father, protection, a space to stay. This isn't temporary. When a South African says, where do you stay? They're not talking about a place you'll be and be. They mean, where do you live? So stay, a place that isn't temporary. This bet ab, this home that is offered for us, it's not temporary. It's a place to dwell, to be. Not to pass through, but to belong. And this passage is saying, come, find your place. This house has many rooms. Come into the household come into the family. And this starts now. Our faith, our family, church isn't a building, church is the people. It starts now and it doesn't just go on for a few days or a few weeks. It's eternal. It's eternal. The relationships we build, the community we support each other in now, this starts now and it goes on into eternity. It is also not dependent on whether you pray the right way or whether you have a great house, whether you can even pay the rent. It doesn't depend on your marriage relationship, whether it's going well. It doesn't depend on your finances. It depends on your relationship in in God's family. That's it. And I think so, so much of the time, we think that we have to do so many things to belong in the house. But this house has many rooms, an everlasting home. Now there's something else we miss. When we think of a house, we may, living in Abergavenny, think of a house on a street, having walls and a door and detached, if we can afford it. It's more helpful, I think, to consider it as a compound. When I was younger, I spent time in Rwanda and Uganda, and in the villages, they have compounds. A group of huts or dwellings, this was one that was being built when I was living in Uganda, around a courtyard. And there'll be chickens scratching about, children playing chase, people carrying water or bananas to make matoki, And women would chat around the fire as they prepare food. Each family would have its own dwelling in the compound. But they would still be in community. 
And the dwelling would be just right for that family. That hut would be the right size for that family. That's what Jesus means. Not separate, detached houses with fences and walls and distance, but a compound where every room is just right for you. In my Father's compound, there's a room for you, a space for you, a home for you. And that's why the Old Testament is so full of references to looking after the nobodies. In the Old Testament, it talks so much about widows who had no status or orphans and outsiders because they didn't have this bet ab. They didn't have that place to dwell. No compound, no safe place to live, to stay, to be. And this is what the Bible says. Boaz marries Ruth. Abraham rescues Lot. Hosea buys his unfaithful wife out of slavery. This is redemption. Rescuing someone, bringing them back to the compound, into this family, to give them a place, a family, and a community together. Not you, me, but you, us. We need to be people that show the way to bet Ab, my father's house. There are three things we can be reminded of in this passage. We need to stop seeing ourselves as individuals. We should instead read the Bible as you all being in community, looking after each other until we can get to that heavenly home. That's what this is about, being in the community now. We need to stop holding on to a Western individualistic worldview and instead realize that we, like the disciples, may well be frightened about what's coming. And we may want to isolate ourselves. But actually, we can know in complete surety that in the family, that are in that house, our father's house, there's room for you. And you are then part of the group with my weaknesses, with my flaws, with my skills and yours. That's my father's house. Supporting each other, being with each other. We need to know this place is a place to dwell, to stay, not temporary not even just for now, this life, but everlasting. Come into the community now. Come and settle in. There is room for you, but it also goes on for eternity. And this place needs to be a place of welcome for the outsiders, for the lost, for the broken. A bet ab, a home with our Father. This can redeem people bring them in from outside the community. And Nikki Gumbel has this amazing quote. Church is not an organization you join. It is a family where you belong, a home where you are loved, and a hospital where you find healing. It started with their hearts being troubled. Jesus is comforting them saying he has a place for them. He's going on ahead 
to prepare it. He's going to prepare a place for me, for you. Eternal life, belonging. And finally, the way. How do we get to it? There is only one way. Coming together and looking to Jesus. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much that what we come to in our church family, this people, is a space where we can be ourselves. Lord, help us with our flaws. Thank you so much that there is room for me. It's not a mansion, it's a compound. And every space is there for every person. Many rooms. Father, we thank you. You've gone on ahead. You're preparing the way. You're getting it ready for us. And now we can be in this community while we are here. While we are here. And Father, help us dwell here. Come back here when we're lost. Come back to this family when we're struggling. So we can help each other through. Until we are called to our heavenly dwelling. Amen. Thank you for watching. For more information, please visit our website, abgavenibaptist.co.uk.